0: I recently launched a brand new true crime podcast called Dirty Money Moves, Women in White Collar Crime. But this podcast is quite a bit different than what you're used to hearing from me. In season one of Dirty Money Moves, I'm taking listeners on a deep dive into a woman that I met in 2018. She was a wealthy heiress and CEO of a successful TV production company in Los Angeles. When bankers tried to reach the woman regarding the $15 million loan she'd secured with them, the heiress was nowhere to be found. We'd soon learned that this woman wasn't at all who she claimed to be. My team and I have been researching this bizarre story over the last few months, and we got so much more than we bargained for. Like the moment we found out that the woman's high-profile attorney, who'd helped her secure the multi-million dollar bank loan, had ties to one of Hollywood's most infamous scandals and that same attorney dropped dead before the FBI could even question him regarding the seemingly fraudulent bank loan. The woman's name is Mary Carol McDonnell, and in Season 1 of Dirty Money Moves, I'm going to tell you who she really is and how she managed to hustle smart people and sophisticated businesses out of roughly $30 million. You guys, do me the biggest favor and subscribe to or follow Dirty Money Moves right now in your favorite podcast app. Episode 1 is available now and brand new episodes will drop every Thursday. The opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the murderish podcast. Sensitive topics are discussed. Listener discretion is advised. Pat Tillman was a star in his hometown of San Jose, California. Everybody loved him. His dark, piercing eyes dimpled smile, and razor-sharp jawline gave him the look of a movie star. Pat was an accomplished and envied athlete who'd led his high school team to a Central Coast Division I football championship, even after being told he was too small to play football. But Pat wasn't a stereotypical high school jock. He loved to read poetry, and he had an insatiable thirst for knowledge. His natural curiosity led him to study the Quran, the Bible, and the Communist Manifesto. The eldest of three boys, Pat was a caring and protective brother and a natural leader with a tendency to push limits in life, in the classroom, and on the field. After the 9-11 terrorist attacks, Pat would find himself on the battlefield fighting for his country. And after his tragic death, an ugly truth would be revealed— one that exposed selfish agendas at the very top level of government. This is Jamie, and you're listening to Murderish. Join me as I walk you through the case involving Patrick Tillman. Pat Tillman had an affluent upbringing and mostly stayed out of trouble. The only black mark on his record was a fight he got into at a pizza place, most likely due to mistaken identity. Following the incident, he served 30 days in juvenile detention, was required to pay a fine and do community service. After graduating high school, Pat was on his way to Arizona State University to play football. What he lacked in physical size Pat more than made up for in intensity as a linebacker. He led ASU to the 1997 Rose Bowl after an undefeated season. Pat wasn't just talented on the football field. He was brilliant, and his achievements highlighted that. Pat was also selected to the Pac-10 All-Academic Football Team for three consecutive years and was a first-team academic All-American honor. He earned an NCAA postgraduate scholarship for academic and athletic excellence. And between games, Pat earned a Bachelor of Science degree in marketing, graduating summa cum laude from ASU's prestigious W.P. Carey School of Business. And he did it all in three and a half years. Pat never allowed his lack of size and speed to prevent him from excelling at football. His abilities were noticed by professional scouts and upon graduating, he was selected to play in the NFL for the Arizona Cardinals. Being that Pat was the last pick in the draft, his salary was low by NFL standards. But after his first year, he received offers to leave the Cardinals and make a lot more money elsewhere. But Pat wasn't in it for the money. He was fiercely loyal to his team and his coaches. So Pat stayed in Arizona at the league minimum for most of his career. Though he'd achieved great success, Pat was humble, never putting his NFL achievements on display. He drove the same beat-up truck he had in college, and he didn't even have a cell phone. He continued to read voraciously and develop, debate, and discuss his ideas with family and friends — something he thoroughly enjoyed. In the off-season, Pat stayed busy running marathons and half-Ironman triathlons. He also pursued a master's degree in history from his alma mater, Arizona State. In whatever spare time he had left, Pat volunteered with Boys and Girls Clubs, the March of Dimes, and he read and spoke with students in schools across the Phoenix Valley. Everyone who knew Pat was aware that he had a strong moral compass. He was an outspoken gay rights activist, progressive in his values, and incredibly loyal, which is why Pat had a really hard time grappling with the aftermath of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. Not a big fan of the press, Pat sat down for one of his very few interviews with ESPN right after the September 11 attacks. His humble nature is apparent in the interview.
1: It, it's, it's hard because I play, we play football, you know, and, and, and it just seems so damn, it is so unimportant. Times like this you stop and think about just how, not only how good we have it, but what kind of a system we live under, what freedoms were are allowed. Uh, and that wasn't built overnight. You know, my great grandfather was at Pearl Harbor and a lot of my family has gone and fought in wars. And I really haven't done a damn thing. Um, as far as laying
0: myself on the line like that, and so I have a great deal of respect for those that have and what the flag stands for. After the 9-11 attacks, the entire country was in shock and in mourning. Pat had an overwhelming feeling of wanting to help however he could, and he wanted to make a real impact. It was this strong desire to help his country that made Pat decide to turn down a contract with the Cardinals opting instead to enlist in the military. Pat strongly believed it was his responsibility to do his part to serve and protect. Not everyone in Pat's family agreed with his decision, so they organized an intervention. If you've listened to earlier episodes of Murderish, then you know that when I was a teenager, I found a strange man in my bedroom. Since that terrifying incident, I am big on home security. I've had a Simply Safe security system for about a year now, and it definitely helps me sleep better at night. But when I heard about Amy, a woman who often sleepwalks and whose Simply Safe security system actually may have saved her life, I was shook. A while ago, Amy walked out of her front door during one of her usual sleepwalking events. When she exited her home, the Simply Safe entry sensor on her front door triggered the siren on her base station. The siren was loud enough that it woke Amy up before she could continue sleepwalking right into a bad situation. And this gave me an idea maybe I'll attach a Simply Safe sensor to my food pantry at night so I can save myself from going face down in a bag of tortilla chips at midnight. Anyway, I love my Simply Safe home security system because it gives me peace of mind especially when my husband's out of town. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com murderish. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafecom murderish. When I'm listening to a really good true crime podcast, my wheels spin as I try to figure out who committed the crime. My inner wannabe detective always comes out in full force. There's a really fun game called June's Journey that you can play on your phone and it definitely draws out your best detective skills. In the game, you'll play June Parker, an amateur investigator who looks into a series of mysteries, and there are unexpected twists and turns you'll have to navigate through to try to solve the case. If you're anything like me, you'll love that the game allows you to search for clues and really test your detective skills. The game is set in the glamorous, roaring 20s, and new chapters are introduced weekly, so you'll never run out of cases to solve. I like to play June's Journey during commercial breaks and when I get writer's block and need to take a quick break to reset. Once you start playing, you won't be able to put the game down, because any good amateur sleuth would never leave a mystery unsolved. There is a detective in all of us find your inner detective, download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. All online businesses, regardless of size, need a good commerce platform to operate and grow the business. It used to be that big businesses got access to all of the slick tools that provide key insights on profitability, conversion rates, and more. With Shopify, those important tools are now available to businesses of all sizes. Shopify is an all-in-one tool to help you start, run, and grow your business, because with its ever-growing suite of channel integrations, Shopify helps your business reach customers online and across social networks like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, and more. Shopify is more than a store, it's a critical, non-human partner that just about every type of business should have. The platform allows your business to accept all major credit cards, and it has thousands of integrations and third-party apps, so you can do on-demand printing, accounting, and have advanced chatbots and so much more. Every 28 seconds, a business owner just like you makes their first sale on Shopify, and you'll get hooked on the sound your device makes every time you make a Shopify sale. Go to shopify.com murderish, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features, grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com/murderish right now. Shopify.com/murderish. Are you tired of battling through the dreaded pre-period week or struggling with menopause symptoms? It's time to reclaim control with estro control. When I'm not feeling like myself, I'm not able to show up as my best self for my family, my friends, or my podcast team. Though Pat's family did their best to sway his decision to enlist, his mind was made up, and nobody could convince him otherwise. Kevin Tillman, Pat's brother, also decided to enlist, and the two brothers signed up to become Rangers, the Army's elite infantry regiment. Due to his career in the NFL, Pat's story earned national attention. He was believed to be the first NFL player since World War II to leave the game voluntarily for military service. He walked away from a multi-year contract with the Cardinals that would have paid him about a million dollars per year. As a soldier, he earned roughly $1,000 per month. Pat quickly became the poster child of military recruitment in the media and in tabloids he was idolized by right-of-center media as an American hero. The sacrifices Pat made to enlist made him a living embodiment of patriotism to so many Americans across the US. Everywhere you looked, Pat's face was on billboards, TV talk shows, and magazines. He was billed as a model recruit, heroic, loyal, and handsome. Pat's story was used to muster the enlistment of thousands to serve in Afghanistan. But Pat didn't want to be an American hero or poster boy. Following his enlistment, Pat swore to turn down all interviews because he was terrified of becoming a publicity stunt. Because of this promise, the public heard very little from Tillman himself, making him even more of a patriotic mythic being. In July of 2002, Pat went off to Army Ranger Boot Camp. Almost immediately, he doubted his decision to enlist. He documented his feelings in a journal, in which he wrote of his fellow soldiers, as referenced in a 2003 book by Mary Tillman and Narda Zacchino. According to Tillman and Narda's book titled Boots on the Ground by Dusk, My Tribute to Pat Tillman, one of Pat's journal entries read, "...they're resentful, ungrateful, lazy, weak, and unvirtuous. One thing I find myself despising is the sight of all these guns in the hands of children." Of course, we all understand the necessity of defense, but that does not excuse the fact that a young man I would not trust with my canteen is walking about armed." Pat was first deployed to Iraq for a three-month tour in March of 2003, and this upset him. Pat didn't believe in the legitimacy of the Iraq War, and he was outspoken about it. According to the 2007 House hearings on the Tillman Fratricide, Many of Pat's fellow rangers often heard him utter to himself, this is all bullshit. Pat poured his unfiltered thoughts into his journal, often writing that the Iraq War was only about money, oil, and power, and that the entire Iraq War sickened him. Though his heart was set on being deployed to Afghanistan, Pat put everything he had into being a good soldier regardless of where he was deployed. Pat's first mission was the rescue of Private Jessica Lynch. Pat and the soldiers in his mission were told that Jessica Lynch was a prisoner of war who was captured after being ambushed by Iraqi forces. They were told that Lynch had fought for her life before being captured and was being held against her will at an Iraqi hospital. The night before the mission, Pat wrote in his journal, As awful as I feel for the fear she must face and admire the courage I'm sure she's showing, I do believe this to be a big public relations stunt. Do not mistake me. I wish everyone in trouble to be rescued. But sending this many folks for a single low-ranking soldier screams of media blitz." And Pat was right. Jessica's story garnered massive media attention, and she became an overnight hero but the public would later learn that this war story was not accurate. Jessica Lynch later testified that she wasn't actually ambushed by Iraqi forces. The truth was, Jessica had been knocked unconscious after her vehicle crashed and she woke up in an Iraqi hospital. She testified that she wasn't mistreated by staff at the Iraqi hospital, and they put up no resistance to her rescue. Critics, and Jessica herself, claimed that the U.S. government embellished her story to boost patriotism and help promote the controversial Iraq War. The circumstances of Jessica's rescue disturbed Pat deeply. He couldn't help but think that the Bush administration might use his capture, injury, or death for political purposes. Pat's fellow ranger, Jade Lane, recalled Pat saying he was afraid that if something happened to him, the Bush administration would parade him around the streets. As referenced in the 2007 House hearings on the Tillman fratricide, Jade recalled Pat saying, I do not want them to parade me around the streets. I do not want them to parade me around the streets. Following his service in Iraq, Pat was eligible for a special dispensation to end his service early and return to the NFL but he did not want to receive any special treatment. So in April of 2004, Pat and his brother Kevin were sent to Afghanistan to participate in operations to clear eastern Afghanistan of Taliban and Al-Qaeda fighters. Pat and his brother Kevin served in the same unit. A few days into their tour, Pat's platoon was sent to patrol in Coast Province near the Pakistan border. Following a breakdown of one of the patrol's vehicles, the platoon was separated into two groups, one that stayed with the vehicle and Pat's group, which proceeded to the nearby village of Mana. The group who stayed with the vehicle got caught in an enemy ambush, and the first group, Pat's group, turned back to join the firefight. The firefight turned deadly as Pat Tillman lost his life during the chaotic event. Though initial reports of the incident state that Pat was killed during the ambush, his family called that into question, and an ugly truth would be revealed. After his tragic death, Pat Tillman was quickly awarded a Purple Heart and a Silver Star, and Arizona Senator John McCain eulogized him during a nationally televised memorial service. Although media attention was the last thing Pat Tillman wanted, His death was all over the news, and he became America's poster boy. To the Bush administration, Pat Tillman proved to be much more useful dead than alive. And just as Pat feared, he was paraded around the streets as an American hero, bolstering support for the war and military recruitment efforts. Yet there were still many unanswered questions and conflicting accounts about the circumstances surrounding Pat's death. As details emerged, Tillman's family began demanding answers from the military. Five months later, the public was shocked by media outlets reporting that Pat was killed in an incident of friendly fire, another way of saying that he had been killed by his own men. Official documents later revealed that the U.S. Army was aware of the possibility of fratricide in regard to Pat's death, even before his memorial service, but withheld that knowledge from the public and from Pat's family until well after the service. In 2005, the Pentagon reopened the investigation into Pat's death, but the more than 2,000 pages of testimony only revealed more contradictions and inaccuracies. What did come to light was that Pat's platoon was forced to split up when one of their vehicles broke down during a routine search of an Afghan village. Half of the platoon members were ordered to tow the vehicle, but were attacked by Taliban insurgents. When Tillman and his half of the platoon came to help, they were mistaken for enemy soldiers. Tillman was shot three times in the head while protecting a young soldier, and two other Americans were wounded. Documents that became available later proved that within 24 hours of Pat's death, those involved in the incident were aware that Pat had died from friendly fire including General Stanley McChrystal, who had approved the Silver Star honor for Pat Tillman. The reinvestigation of Pat's death unveiled even more shocking truths. It proved that Army commanders and members of the Bush administration concealed the truth about Pat's death by destroying items of his clothing, his notebooks, and even hiding parts of Pat's body to cover up evidence. A few years later, in 2007, the Committee on Oversight and Government Reform held a hearing titled Misleading Information from the Battlefield. The hearing focused on the death of Army Ranger Specialist Patrick Tillman in Afghanistan and the capture and rescue of Army Private Jessica Lynch in Iraq. As documented in files from the 2007 House hearing on the Tillman fratricide, Pat's brother Kevin had some harsh words to say.
1: To our family and friends, it was a devastating loss. To the nation, it was a moment of disorientation. To the military, it was a nightmare. But to others within the government, it appears to have been an opportunity. April of 2004 was a, was turning into the deadliest month to date in the war in Iraq. The dual rebellions in the Jeff and Fallujah handed the U.S. forces their first tactical defeat as American commanders essentially surrendered Fallujah to members of Iraq resistance and the administration was forced to accede to Ayatollah Sassani's demand for January elections in, a, in, a, in exchange for assistance in extricating U.S. forces from its battle with the Mahdi militia. A call up of 20,000 additional troops was ordered, and another 20,000 troops had their tours of duty extended. In the midst of this, the White House learned that Christian Perence, Seymour Hirsch, and other journalists we were about to reveal a shocking scandal involving massive and systemic detainee abuse in a facility known as Abu Ghraib. Then on April 22, 2004, my brother Pat was killed in a firefight in eastern Afghanistan. Immediately after Pat's death, our family was told that he was shot in the head by the enemy in a fierce firefight outside the narrow canyon. In the days leading up to Pat's memorial service, media accounts based on information provided by the Army and and the White House were wreathed in a patriotic glow and became more dramatic in tone. A terrible tragedy that might have further undermined support for the war in Iraq was transformed into an inspirational message that served instead to support the nation's foreign policy wars in Iraq and Afghanistan.
0: Kevin claimed that his brother's death was used as a tactical cover-up by the United States to bolster support for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Many Americans agreed with this sentiment, and conspiracy theories began to propagate. Later that year, the Defense Department released 2,300 pages of testimony to the Associated Press containing disturbing accounts from doctors who examined Tillman's body after his death. As reported in a 2020 article on Sportscasting.com, according to the doctors, the medical evidence did not match up with the scenario as described. The doctors indicated that the proximity of the three bullet holes in Pat's forehead were so close together, it appeared he was shot by an M-16 fired from about 10 yards away, not from more than 50 yards away, as indicated in the initial report. The report also claimed that there was never any evidence of enemy fire found on the scene, and no members of Pat's group had been hit by enemy fire. After the release of this information, conspiracy theorists went wild, going so far as to claim that Pat's platoon was ordered by the government to murder Pat because the government didn't want Pat's anti-war beliefs to spread throughout the military and media, though no conspiracy theory has ever been proven. Ten years after Pat Tillman's death, someone came forward and spoke about the traumatizing incident that took Pat's life, and he spoke from his first-hand account. One of the soldiers who mistakenly pulled the trigger on Pat came out of the shadows and gave a harrowing account of his role in Pat's death on NPR's All Things Considered. The man's name is Stephen Elliott and he was the first soldier to speak out publicly about Pat Tillman's death. Small business owners are really feeling the rising prices of just about everything right now. Using stamps.com is a great way to cut costs, not to mention the time you'll save too. For over two decades, Stamps.com has been a valuable resource for over 1 million businesses. Don't do things the hard way. Simplify your day by printing official postage right from your home or office computer. And enjoy up to 30% off USPS rates and 86% off UPS. If you're selling from more than one store, no problem. Because Stamps.com works really well with Shopify, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and more. You don't even need fancy equipment. A computer and a printer is all that's needed to start printing postage and shipping packages without taking a trip to the post office. Start mailing and shipping with Stamps.com and keep more money in your pocket every day. Sign up with promo code MURDERISH for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MURDERISH. Over 97% of women between the ages of 19 and 50 are not getting enough vitamin D or key omega-3s. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin can fill that nutrient gap with one pill that is packed with nutrients to help support brain, bone, and blood health for women 18 plus. This multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research, and it's gone through a gold-standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact it has on women 18+. In a sea of multivitamins on the market today, you can be sure that Ritual's Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin contains no shady ingredients because the company is committed to third-party testing from USP and the Non-GMO Project. The ingredients are traceable and vegan-friendly. I used to take three supplements every day, and now I've replaced those with one Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. That was a few months ago, and I feel so good knowing that I'm feeding my body ingredients that provide antioxidant support. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com murderish and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at Ritual.com slash Murderish. It seems like we're all running out of good TV shows to binge. Well, I might just have an answer to solve that problem. Acorn TV is the best place to go for great TV shows out of Britain, Ireland, Australia, and beyond. Acorn TV offers shows that are unlike anything I've watched on other streaming platforms, like Aftertaste Season 1, a show I recently found on Acorn TV. In the show, a less-than-easy-to-work-with chef finds himself in a social media tsunami after opening night at the restaurant that employed him turns out to be a total disaster. With his tail between his legs, the chef, Easton West, winds up back with the dysfunctional family he left behind three decades ago. Easton finds himself an unlikely ally who just might be the very thing he needs to get back on top of his game and become relevant again. Acorn TV gives you hours upon hours of great content for just $5.99 a month, a fraction of what other streaming services charge. For original shows from Britain and beyond, Acorn TV has them all. You're going to love it like I do. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and using my promo code MURDERISH, but you have to enter the code in all lowercase letters. That's A-C-O-R-N dot TV, promo code MURDERISH, to get your first 30 days for free. ACORN dot TV, code MURDERISH. Still confused about what exactly happened the day that Pat died, Stephen spoke with NPR's Melissa Block about his perception of the events leading up to Pat's death. And let's start by going back to that day, April twenty second, 2004. And let's explain a little bit what happened. You were in a Humvee, in a convoy that split up. There was an ambush. You were being fired on from above, and your squad leader started firing back up at a ridgeline, killing a man who turned out to be an allied Afghan soldier. So why don't you pick up from there and tell us what happened, what you saw and what you did?
2: Uh, Well, in that moment, uh, the sun had been set for roughly 20 minutes, uh, so the lighting conditions were poor, uh, to say the least. I remember uh, seeing uh, the muzzle flashes from the Afghani soldier. Uh, I remember seeing Greg fire out of the corner of my eye. And Greg is Sergeant Greg Baker, who was in your Humvee? Yes, that's correct. And I remember uh, thinking for what I'm sure was just a second or two, but uh, felt like longer. Your perception of time in the midst of a firefight can be distorted. But I remember thinking that if he had fired and without any other information to indicate uh, a friendly position, that I should also uh, fire. And so it was seeing that uh, engagement occur and and basically just being able to make out shadowy figures. They weren't, even though we were roughly 80 meters away, I couldn't distinguish enough to know that they were friendlies. So
0: So shadowy figures, were you trained to positively identify a target before you shot?
2: We were, but in this case, positive identification included um, a team leader firing on the position and it included on some level the lack of knowledge of any friendly being in the area so my intent was was clearly not malicious on any level and and i felt like i had done what i needed to do in order to defend myself uh, believing that to possibly be an enemy position but obviously i uh, i failed to do that
0: over a decade later steven is still haunted by demons from the night of pat's death on april 22nd 2004.
2: Within about four months, I began what I later learned to be exhibiting uh, symptoms of chronic uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so that meant a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of nightmares. Uh, It meant uh, hypervigilance, depression. And uh, for me, in order to function uh, professionally, uh, it meant a lot of alcohol. And that persisted for about five years until in 2009, my wife uh, of about five years uh, and I uh, were divorced and, and separated. It was during that time of our separation that I began seeking much more intensive therapy for uh, post-traumatic stress. It didn't, on any level, uh, exercise all of the demons, and it doesn't make you forget, and it doesn't uh, uh, remove the grief. Uh, But it certainly enabled me to function far more normally than I ever had before. And so uh, throughout that process, we reconciled and and, uh, were remarried in April of 2010.
0: Though Stephen has spoken publicly about the event, he's chosen not to make contact with Pat Tillman's family. He explained why during his conversation with Melissa Block.
2: I always felt very conflicted about that. I knew that they were very just hurt beyond belief. Uh, I don't even know how you put words to that uh, to uh, to understand what they experienced, both in losing Pat, but then in the grief and the confusion of, of the deception. I guess part of my desire was to uh, you want to communicate remorse to them, but at the same time, you don't want to make things worse. And I, I felt like I was somebody that they would not want to hear from. And I don't I don't say that in implying that there are not gracious people who can't forgive. I I don't believe that at all, but I was overwhelmed with my own grief and and was hardly able to even articulate that to those closest to me, and I I didn't know how I would do that to them. And so I think it's probably far more a commentary on my own weakness than it is uh, on, on them in any way.
0: Even decades after his death, Pat Tillman's family have remained unsure whether the real story of what happened to him will ever be fully unearthed yet the Tillmans remain persistent in their quest to find out the truth behind Pat's final moments. In addition to his Purple Heart and Silver Star medals from the military, Pat's numbers for the ASU Sun Devils and the Arizona Cardinals were retired in his honor. In May of 2010, he was chosen to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Pat's friends and family founded the Pat Tillman Foundation in his honor, to give military service members, veterans, and spouses the educational tools and support they need to reach their fullest potential as leaders, no matter how they choose to serve. Sadly and frustratingly, the full truth about Pat's death may never be known, though his family absolutely deserves it it's likely that certain people do know the truth about what happened on April 22, 2004. And maybe they're holding on to this information for their own personal, professional, or political agenda. Regardless, Pat Tillman's story lives on as an account of an authentic, yet humble, hero. He was a man who had his country's best interest at heart. Pat's death allowed millions of people to become aware of a real American luminary, while also exposing the painful truth of war. Remember to subscribe to or follow my new podcast, Dirty Money Moves Women in White Collar Crime, in your favorite podcast app. I appreciate you guys for joining me on another episode of Murderish. If you've binged every episode and you don't want to wait for the next one to drop, consider becoming a Patreon supporter. As soon as you sign up to become a Murderish Patreon supporter, you'll get immediate access to a bunch of ad-free episodes that cover cases not available on the free version of the podcast. To become a Patreon supporter, visit Murderish.com and click the link to go behind the scenes, or just go to Patreon.com and search for Murderish there. I want to say a big thank you to Jennifer W., Alikel S., and Melissa M. for becoming Patreon supporters, I appreciate you guys so much. If you enjoy Murderish, there are so many ways to support the show. Tell your friends about the podcast or leave the show a positive rating and review in any podcast app. This helps other people find the show easier. You can also wear Murderish merch while you're out and about. And trust me, it's a great conversation starter. To show your support for the podcast, check out Murderish.com for a link to buy t-shirts, bags, coffee mugs, and more. Also, follow Murderish on Instagram and TikTok at Murderish Podcast. You can also find the podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Murderish sound design and audio editing is by Justin Hellstrom. Some of the music was composed by Nico of We Talk of Dreams. This episode was researched and written by Catherine Devine. Stick around after the closing music and ads to hear a list of sources used for this episode. As always, ishers... Thank you for joining me on another episode of Murderish. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish. Sources for this episode include a 2007 review of matters related to the death of Corporal Patrick Tillman by the United States Department of Defense, the 2007 House hearing on the Tillman fratricide, the 2007 House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform hearing as broadcast by C-SPAN, a 2007 ESPN article by Mike Fish, a 2014 NPR interview by Melissa Block, a 2017 YouTube video titled Pat Tillman, In His Own Words, by Two Minute Window Productions, the 2003 book Boots on the Ground by Dusk, My Tribute to Pat Tillman, by Mary Tillman and Narda Zacchino, a 2020 article on sportscasting.com by Kyle Dalton, and information gathered from the Pat Tillman Foundation. Seeking the truth never gets old.